0: thank you so much for joining me on the hope for today broadcast i'm your host doran wengard founder of wengard ministries where we are delivering hope to every heart i'm nearing the end of the series i'm calling hope in the spirit so if you've missed any of the messages from earlier in this series i'd encourage you to go back and watch or listen to those as well This topic of hope in the Spirit is so foundational to everything else in life that we really need to spend as much time and effort as it takes to walk in true revelation. Now I've titled this message today, Made in His Image. The majority of people today find it seemingly impossible to think outside of their natural mind or experience. I grew up in a religious community focused on the unquestioning commitment to what they saw as the facts. But there is a supernatural side of us that is unseen, and yet it is the determining factor in what we experience in the natural. The story of creation in Genesis reveals to us at least some of what God as our Father was thinking when he decided to make man. I mentioned this in the last message that I preached called, Who Are You?, So that was in uh, Genesis 1, verse 26, where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, did you notice that in verse 26, where God says, let us make man in our image, that would actually be our spirit. And after our likeness, it would be our soul. And let them have dominion represents our body. So because of our body, that's what gives us authority on the earth. That's why God has chosen to put his spirit into us, and, he, and Jesus gave us authority. So do you see here, it is spirit, soul, and body, image, Likeness, dominion. And that's really uh, the the essence of what God did when He created Adam and Eve. We are not simply to walk alone in hopes that somehow God will just help us. It's His will and plan that we see who we really are as His children. Uh, I'd like to read Acts 17 uh, verses 24 through 28 together. And I have that, uh, Pulled up in front of me. So, verse twenty-four says, "God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands, as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life, breath, and all things, and He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings." so that they should seek the lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as also some of your own prof, uh, poets have said for we also for we are also his offspring so that is very clear how uh, our understanding should be enlightened by what we read there, that that was God's will, that's how he created us. I want to remind you here that we must first come to the realization and belief that God is only good. Many of us see God only by how we, we have related to our earthly father instead of how he is described in his word. One of the boldest claims of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the claim that every believer has been given the right and the privilege to be the offspring of the living God. In John 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have sonship given to us by God himself. I want you to see how this is described in Galatians 4, 4, verses 4 through 7. In Galatians 4, four it says, But when the fullness of the But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. What an awesome set of verses that is. This means that every description that could be said about Jesus can be said about each one of us, if we have become sons and daughters of God. Another amazing claim of the gospel that makes Christianity unique and different from every other religion in the world is the conclusion that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians 5.17 he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The word creation in this verse literally means something that has never existed before. You know, religion tries only to fix people. But God chose to create a whole new species of being. Verses uh, 17 and 18, then, in the New Living Translation, say, What this means is that those who have become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone, a new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. We are not natural, earthly, made-over people anymore. We are a whole new species or race of people. You know, we are Christ ones. God is our real and only Father. A.W. Tozer said, The most important thing about you right now is what you think about when you think about God. T.L. Osborne said, God made it so that everything that can be said about Him can also be said about you. So who is God, our Father? What's He like? All of us have different images of God given to us by tradition or religion or experience. Whenever we project our own image of who God is, we change and distort how he wants to interact with us. Here are a few examples of how God is seen by different people. I want you to check and see how, if any of these represent how you would visualize God. First of all, Grandfather God. He's nice but old and out of touch and hard of hearing. Or, Schoolteacher God. He's, he's someone you try to do, to do well and to please him. You get good grades, and you try really hard to avoid punishment. Or he's the judge God. He's the one that is all about right and wrong, guilty or not guilty. Always speak properly to him, as you would in a courtroom. Or he's the mystical God. He's the one who's weird and wonderful. He has his own mysterious ways that we will never know. Or he's the distant God. He's very far, far away, and he's certainly not interested in my everyday life. But we have such good news from him. He is our Father God. If it is true that every believer is the very offspring of God and and declared to be children of the living God, it must be true that God is now our real and only Father, in Matthew 23, 9, it says, Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And then in Romans eight uh, fourteen through 16, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The only way to really understand Jesus on the earth is through the Father-Son relationship. And the same is true about you and me. Do you, do you remember that the Word of God is described as a mirror in several different verses? So what do you see when you look into a mirror? We see our own face and reflection, right? This should be our experience when we look into the mirror of God's Word. When we read the stories of Jesus and how he interacted with God as his father, we should see our own face looking back at us from the pages of the Bible. In uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18, I'd like to read those verses because this is a very clear description of the word of God as a mirror. So 2 Corinthians three twelve, Therefore, When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Word of God is a mirror. Jesus gave his life on the cross for so much more than just keeping mankind from going to an eternal hell, and I know I've mentioned that before, but he died for the privilege of revealing himself and also for revealing his glory in men and women. The purpose of the gospel is not to reveal Christ in history, but to reveal Christ in mankind. The Bible says that true transformation takes place as we look into the mirror of God's word and we allow our true identity to be revealed as we find our origin in Jesus Christ. This is not accomplished by any effort of our own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. This is a supernatural transformation that is guaranteed when we receive it by faith. Thank you again for the privilege of speaking with you today. God bless you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit.